This episode of the Cutting Edge Podcast is brought to you by GlassGadget.com. Showcase Innovations creates tools that help shower door installers be more efficient and save time. Check out GlassGadget.com for more information. Oh my gosh, this is so weird. Having some like technical difficulties here. That's good, man. You know, it's a live program. Must have been Keith. That's what makes it fun, you know? You just never know what's going to happen. Keith. So everything's going to be okay. There's Shannon. Okay, now I feel feel like everything's going to be all right. We've got Keith and Shannon here. All right. So, hey, I hope you all are having a great week. I know I am. I mean, it's just like I just got to pinch myself sometimes, you know? It's just hard to believe that life is so good. Here I am, shower door guy, and life is just like my oyster. So I hope you feel the same way. hope you're loving it like I am. If you are out there just watching, being a voyeur, you should think about coming in to the Zoom chat room and joining us and uh, chatting with us because it's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to have new people in here. Um, yeah, so, so do it. The link is there in the description. Click on it. Come on in. So, so what's going on? Who's, who's got something uh, fun to talk about? Uh, I was thinking about something. All right. All right. So I remember uh, once we spoke here, uh, you're like you, Chris, you, you brought to the table, like your goal when you go when you do like a, a visit to a customer, your goal is to bring the check with you, right? But when we're talking about like uh, custom shower doors, we it's tough to pri- to give the price out right away. So what I'm doing right now, I'm trying to make like a spreadsheet to create a price book to aim to bring the check right on the first visit to close the customer right on the first visit this is what i'm trying to do so i'd like to hear from you guys if you guys have like a price book or something that you guys work on to try to close the deal on the first visit wow you know i couldn't have thought of a better topic that is an awesome topic to talk about i know there's a lot of people in this group who can Give you some sound advice about that. <laughs> Who's going to start? So we actually just, uh, we, we're just trying to start this new thing where my brother is the one that goes out and measures, right? And I'm at the office uh, pretty much all the time. And we use Smart Toolbox. We use, you know, that uses, that integrates with Shows Online, all that stuff. So what we've been doing is we'll give the customer a, a general price, before we go out there, just to make sure that they're in like some type of ballpark, you know what I mean? Um, so they, they have some general idea of what they're going to be spending. So they're not wasting on, you know, we're not wasting each other's time. Uh, when he's out there, we, we're just trying to start to implement this is when he's out there, he actually calls me um, and goes over the finer details of the job so that we can just finalize, finalize everything. Instead of him e- emailing me the stuff, after he leaves and then me 
reaching back out to them and emailing them the final, here's, a, here's your final price and using all the information, all the information, it's the same information. Um, he's mm-hmm. just standing there. So if there's, if there's any questions that I have that, that he can ask directly, uh, you know, while he's standing there, as opposed to trying to get them back on the phone, sending them an email, waiting a day, you know, another day goes by and a week goes by and this job's still like dragging on. Um, so what we're trying to do is he calls me while he's standing there. We try to finalize mm-hmm. all the details and then we try to, and then my system spits out a price and I just, it's the same price that I'm going to give you over email in an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just try to get the customer. And then, you know, he has the the swipe thing on his cell, on his phone and the same way we, we take the final payment. So we're trying to say, this is, this is your final price. This is what you're looking at. Um, mm-hmm. You want to leave the deposit. We've, it's, it's adding a little bit of extra time to the estimating <laughs> visits uh, just because of all that extra communication, but it's, it's saving me a ton of time on the back end uh, with the ping pong match of all the questions and, and answers that I'm trying to answer to the customer from the office, as opposed to my brother just answering while he's standing there, which is a mm-hmm. lot more informative and, and, and direct. So we've actually just started this and I, and I've kind of been transitioning into the schedule to allow him more time if he stops uh, it, it, for the few times that we've been able to do it, it's worked phenomenal. It's just, like I said, it saved me a ton of time, um, on the, on my, on my end after the fact. Yeah. And also another point that like, as, as more you, you let the customer think, uh, they, they're not willing like to do the business, uh, after 24 hours, uh, as as before that, because if you get the customer like in 24 hours, your, your chances to close the customers is way higher than after that. This is another point too. But yeah, once you have your brother uh, doing the back, uh, you guys like having the back office, you you too, it's a good situation. But also th- I'm thinking something that I can escalate for the future. You know, you guys have a, uh, you guys have a process that works for you, but I was thinking something that I like to create a process that I can escalate for the future. And also, I don't know, maybe you guys can think of something like that too. I believe the bigger guys like Billy Breed, uh, Keith, you guys probably have something that you guys <laughs> can bring to the table for us, right? <laughs> Keith is chomping at guys, the guys, <laughs> guys, Go. <laughs> Hey, Keith, we've seen enough of you on that. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> I don't want any more attention. Mm. Uh, that's um, Keith, yeah. I haven't seen your face in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. almost never see this guy. Yeah. Just getting <laughs> caught up. Uh, but I think what you're asking is probably one of the best questions I've heard on this group so far. And just to really, at a macro level, at a very high level, everybody on here, we all done some form of advertising in the the past. The likelihood of getting a customer versus the amount of time and money we put in advertising is so small. So now you have this opportunity to get in the customer's house. It is incumbent upon you to provide the best possible service to eliminate any possible competition coming in after you because like my brother always says you don't want to give the third base coach an opportunity like if you don't give a price at the house they go out to dinner they're like yeah i have either hour thinking about getting a new shower oh i know a guy and before you know it 
it even might be a nitwit, but it's giving them an opportunity. Whereas if you can satisfy that opportunity while you're there, they mentally check it off in their head and they're, it probably doesn't even come up in conversation um, unless you gave like really good customer service and then it's a potential referral. And so to break it down, what we did our first two years, Doug and I saved literally every single takeoff that we did. Now, this was before mm -hmm. we even had CRM or social media, nothing. We literally had a little journal where we put the name, the address, and then we wrote the type of door. And where that bode well for us is when we started to streamline the sales process, we said, geez, you know, 90% of our doors are a five foot tub slider, a five foot door and panel, and a four by four door notch panel return. And this probably changes in every segment of the country, depending on where you're at. Some people have fiberglass units, some people have tiled units. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like that 80-20 rule. Most of your business is going to be the same shit. So you've probably priced the same door a hundred times. <clears throat> like shame on you if you're calling somebody in your office to price out the same door you've called them four other times for that week. <laughs> when you could be using your time and resource building rapport, leading to trust with the consumer. Because at the end of the day, they're letting a stranger in their house. They're, they're giving you an opportunity to close the deal. If you're not prepared to do that, that's your loss. And you're just know that you're lessening your opportunity of closing ratio. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're not going to close it. Now, the easiest way that we've kind of like restructured this over the years is, you know what your glass cost is. You know what the fab charges are. So like you already know what a door is going to cost. Write that down in the corner of your book. It's $200, whatever it is. You know what the hinges are and handle are going to cost. If you take the square footage and multiply it by your cost of goods sold, like you know what your cost of goods sold number is and then whatever margin you want. So let's say I go into a door and panel and our cost of goods sold is $500 we want to carry a 70% gross profit margin, take the 500, divide by 0 0.30, and boom, there's my number. Now, as you do more of these, you can really structure it in a price booklet. But you can never go wrong if you take your cost of goods sold and a firm gross profit margin that you want to carry, and there's your formula. Cost of goods sold, you know, buy your gross profit margin and there's your number and it'll be consistent forever. Doesn't matter the configuration mm -hmm. type because mm -hmm. you're going to add for the miters. You're going to add for beveling, different hardware upgrades, all that cost of goods sold will fluctuate, but you already know all these numbers. And, and if you don't, you should, because uh, it's the only way you'll be able to scale mm -hmm. the business for sure. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, you guys on, on your on your retail stores, you guys have like a price book that you you have like dimensions, uh, type of shower, and you have like fifty eight by sixty by seventy six, and boom, this is the then price. Then we add for eighty four, add up to ninety six. We add for you know vibrant brush bronze. We add for low iron. You know, I'll send you add a clips. page. I'll take a snippet of a page. Actually, I can. If I send it to Chris, you could probably put it up on the screen, right? Yeah, I actually you actually you can yeah. share your screen, Keith. I don't know, I don't know how to if do you it. want to. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I met up with last week, so 
if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> so yeah. we do the, we do the same thing. We we'll send customers a base price. This is your price for three. It's clear. And then in the description, it'll say add um, whatever mm -hmm. two fifty for low iron. Add three twenty five for shower guard. So at least they have some general idea of what they're looking to spend. When when you're there, mm -hmm. that they've already thought about these options. They know what they cost. They thought about the options. They should have some idea of, yeah, I want the low eye. You know I mean? They, they have an idea in their head of what they're willing to spend. So when you're there, um, they don't have to think about it. They've already, they should have already thought about it if they read, you know, the initial yeah. quote that you said. So we do a lot of the same thing. Because honestly, if you sell a 48-inch opening or a 49-inch opening or 47-inch opening, price them all out at 48. Some you make $20, some you lose $20. In the end, it doesn't really matter. If you get one more job out of streamlining it, you've just made... 10 20 over so you know if you're chasing you know pennies to save nickel you know chasing this just doesn't work so i mean you just true that's a good point michael it's just made there because i'm thinking about when i was you know kind of making that transition from going out to measure and then telling okay well i'll send you an email later for the price and then I was going back to my desk and like figuring it out, sending out an email. I just realized at some point, man, I'm, I'm blowing it. You know, I need to be able to, I need to be quicker with this. And I just started kind of just kind of guessing, you know, guesstimating it. And uh, I try to, you know, I try to go a little bit more on the high end. So I wasn't, you know, missing something. I didn't want to be shooting myself in the foot. But it's just like you were saying, Michael, like if, if I came in a little low, um, it was worth it to make the deal, you know, the job's I mean, over, you can move on. And I'm not going to do that for very much. I mean, I'm not going to under, underbid very many times because it stinks, you know? So I'm going to remember what that felt like. And I'm going to remember the next time I do it. And then, you know, it's become more sophisticated, um, for me over time. I mean, not nearly as sophisticated as Keith. Of course, he's well, the prince of sophistication, you know. But uh, keeping it consistent, you guys, especially for those of you that have builders, they're going to give you two, three jobs a month. Don't think for a second that you know they're not watching their pennies either. You know, they do the same jobs. They're looking at it. They might not catch it as much because it's not a huge ticket item. But hey, that last door you sold me was twelve hundred. Why is it twelve seventy five? And like that just disrupts the rapport built. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to spend time defending that I want to spend time kissing his ass so I can get more jobs and so I think there's something to be said for keeping it really consistent especially if yeah. you plan on having I like to say I'm not greedy I'm long-term greedy which means I want their business forever and to to get it forever I need to be consistent because uh, it's the it's the easiest way to defend it as long as there's consistency one of the uh, one of the variables that we cannot control is our our supplier charges us for outages, right? So we'll send a base price. It's based on sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. If we go out there and it's perfectly square, we make a little bit more than if there's there's an outage on the left, right, and bottom. I mean, they're going to charge us whatever it is to to cut these things out of square. When was the last it. time everything was perfectly square? <laughs> uh, right? Add in some, some outages. Yeah, I know, but you know what sure. I mean. Like if it's a if it's a sixty yeah. inch door panel and the bottom's off an eighth, doesn't you know? Doesn't doesn't really matter. But you know, I'm not going to have the things cut out of square sixteenth of an inch and to get charged more. But that's one of the variables we can't control. But it's just something we look the other way on because to 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 go back to the customer and be like, hey, I know I gave you this price but your walls are off and you start going down that path. And it's like, what do you mean why my walls are off? And now you're on a whole nother tangent of, 
it's an eighth of an inch. It's within tolerance, blah, blah, blah. So like, we just leave it. Like if I, if I give them a price and it's within, unless they change something drastically, like they go from Chrome to oil rub, you know, uh, brush and whatever, um, then we leave it, then I leave it alone. Just like Keith yeah, said, yeah. Con the consistency is good. If you can leave it alone and just keep grinding. Yeah. If you add in a couple of outages, you can't go wrong. You can always back off. Yeah. Um, they like that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, <laughs> hard to add, but I, I use a spreadsheet uh, that I'm constantly tweaking uh, and trying to make sure that, that it gives me something correct. But uh, the spreadsheets, how I roll. So. Keith, are we looking at your grocery list? Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know what the heck is grocery <laughs> Who's groceries? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know whose grocery list we're looking at. It's not it's, mine. It's you, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, are we going Tuesday at nine at two o'clock to nine? <laughs> Chris, that's you. In case you didn't know that, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, <laughs> I know how I, I can take a joke. Well, let me see here. I'm just trying to figure out where that thing was that I was just trying to share a minute ago. Uh, it was up there. It was for a second, huh? Let me see here. I'm going to regroup and we'll try that again. Spent a lot of money there. Oh yeah, man. All kinds. <laughs> yeah. So, so who else? I I know um, Brandon's here. I know he's got a good um, angle on this whole pricing on site thing. If he wants to share his some of his kung fu, I know. I know it's very it's top secret stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, we price on site or we'll price you typically we're pricing before we even go on site. And if we have to make adjustments, we make them right there on the site. Mm -hmm. So, and we price similar to Keith with margins, you know, that way every, every job is priced the same with the same factors. So we're consistent and it's not different from one customer to another. <clears throat> we do, we do it. We do it a little bit different. Keith and I talked actually in Vegas about that. Um, and I was, I've been actually going back and forth. Like I, we've been pricing some really big jobs because I wanted to see how it worked with bigger railing jobs, the way we priced them compared to how they were pricing them. And it's really similar. Like we're coming up with the same thing. It's just, it almost, his way almost takes out, it's the thoughtless, um, you can train easier because you can screw up really bad with labor if you don't know how much labor to add to a job. But if you, if you just know what your margins need to be, it's really easy to do it off margin. So the, typically the way we price is we'll take our cost of goods and we'll market up whatever the, our factor, whatever it is, if it's a, if we're marking up 150% or 200% or whatever, and then we're adding labor on top of that and tax on top of that and all that. So um, it's just worked out a different, different way. The really cool thing about that too, Vidor, is let's say you get two salespeople. Now you mm -hmm. want to start figuring out how to pay them commission, but you're just running lean and mean, kind of guessing willy-nilly. If you know that your business needs to receive 70% gross profit margin, you set your price list at 74%. All that extra 4% over the year can be used for your commissions, growth, and it gives them flexibility to negotiate in the field with the customer if mm -hmm. should they have to come down on price like you know at the end of the day you don't want to be bothered oh can i take 25 here 25 there you don't have time to take those mm -hmm. calls so if that's already built in it gives them some flexibility out in the field no, in the range there ain't, there ain't no negotiation over here no. saying 
Never split the difference. I'm just setting a baseline here, Brando. <laughs> so, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm successfully sharing this. Let me do that again. I think I've got it figured out now here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think that's what I want to share right there. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, that's what Keith sent me. That's his little uh, cheat sheet for um, pricing. Very kind of you to share that with us. So you can just go ahead and do a little yeah, screen capture you. if you want, or just hit me up and I'll I'll um, send it to you. But that's a cool little uh, tool for. Um, so so what we're looking at here is like when we go into our door and panels on our on our uh, iPad. There'll be ones with channeling. So this one's done, as you see in the beautiful drawing I did on paint. Very nice. high. <laughs> yeah. even, I am, even the, you can even see the streaks on the glass. Yeah. It's not, it's not ultra clear, obviously. Right. So that's got you channel on it. And so everything's priced basic, three eighths, standard clear glass. The first line is up to 79 inches high. We set that as our norm because that's what we went and bought or manufactured a bunch of stock doors. So they're pre-made. You guys all bought stock doors, 28 by 79. Now, if the customer wants to go up to 84, they're adding an additional 125. If they want to go all the way up to 96, it's 250. And then you see over on the right-hand side, if they want to do it with clamps, um, we have, that's some of our own nomenclature for HDSO is kind of our own sleeve over then you'll see all the metal finishes, polished nickel, polished brass, mm -hmm. oil rub bronze. And we've kind of have these sheets made up for about 20 different configurations. Um, then there's a page where if it's a custom, it kind of shows the, the work that I explained, how we get our cost of goods sold. And we're completely transparent with uh, everybody in here, it just, it makes it a lot easier to scale. Like when you start worrying about everybody seeing certain numbers and it, um, I don't know, this just worked for us. That's, that's mm -hmm. what we Yeah, I think it's one of the most surprising things for me that's happened since I've started, you know, really kind of collaborating with a lot of other people like this, like with this group and just sharing information with a lot of other people in the industry, um, how, how, uh, what a good idea it has been to share information. And it's like, it's a little counterintuitive. I mean, you think that like, oh, I'm giving away my stuff, you know, or whatever, and it's going to, it's going to kill me, you know, somehow. That's not true at all. I mean, in fact, the opposite is true. And it's weird how your mind plays tricks on you like that. Well, Keith is saying is dead on. It's like Chris, this yeah. is what you just said really hits up. There was a point in our company, and everybody here's probably experiences for probably 10 years. We didn't want people on social media. We didn't want them showing anything in our factory because oh my God, we're giving away the secret sauce. We can't show anybody our factory. Then someone else is gonna go spend. $10 million tomorrow and build a factory. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Um, and, and really, just like these real estate books, 99% of the people are never going to take action. That's just a fact. 99% mm -hmm. won't. However, the ones that take the positive out of it, there's just so much more to get out of it. 
And so that's when I started doing all social media, Brandon, like we're showing everything. I'm not afraid of my competition. Uh, my father even would say, why are you showing BCB homes in the background? Now our competitors are going to call it like, oh, really? Dad? What's that say for our relationship? If they're just willing to drop us and go to somebody else, like it just, that doesn't happen. And we really believed that for a long time. It held us back. And so that's why we're able to scale the business in the last three years. We doubled wow. because now we don't subscribe to exactly what you just said. We were just so proud and figured we had to keep it close to our vest that it really hindered us from growing. Really did. Awesome. Yeah. My, my father, he raised me with this kind of, with this kind of mindset. You share whatever you have with the, uh, with everybody. And this is how the human being can move forward. Share your knowledge, whatever it is. It's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. exactly what this group is all about. You know, there was a post I made. I don't, it was a long time ago. I made in this group and it was, I forget. I don't even remember what it was, but there was a guy in there who was like, man, you can't like share trade secrets and stuff like that. These are our secrets. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like knowledge, you should pass it off like a hot potato. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, just keep, she's keep giving the knowledge. Like it's going to. Yeah. It's going to come back around. Like, like he said, 99% of people aren't going to take, take anything and do anything with it. I mean, you look at all these guys, Gary V and all these guys, they, they literally lay out their whole blueprint. Like even yeah. coaches lay out their whole blueprint on social media. And then they charge you to be in their coaching group. And they say the exact same thing in their yeah. coaching group that they say on social media, <laughs> that you're paying for it. So then you pay attention more to it, but they're saying the exact same thing they're giving away for free. So mm -hmm. Yeah, just just put it like in a compilation to make it easier for you to go through the the, the subject. That's it. My entire social media platform is me repackaging every single thing I see Gary V do, just so everybody knows. I'm, <laughs> I completely bite off of 99% of the stuff that he posts. And it's it's unbelievable. My social media has been on fire. It's yeah. it, Because I know 99% of people aren't ever going to do it. They just won't do it unbelievable it's all the same stuff that everybody's always been saying for like hundreds of years yeah. i mean it's like <laughs> there's nothing really new about it you know um and it's like you know i started getting into this thing you know i, I became curious about why successful people were successful you know and, and then others weren't you know uh, i just had this weird kind of time in my life a few years back and I just became really interested in that. I started reading everything. I mean, you know, name a book, you know, a self-improvement book, you know, I read them. And what I found out was like, everybody was saying exactly the same thing. And really the key is like, figure out what you want. And then like, if you can do that, you really don't need any of those books. <laughs> All you have to do is really decide on something that you really want. Yeah. I mean, that, that single act, really um is what sparks the whole thing you know but the average person that's well, not just the average person i would say 99 out of 100 people if you ask them hey if you had one wish you could have anything in the world you wanted what would it be 99 out of 100 people could not answer that question you know and uh it's amazing so yeah think is nothing without an action What's that? No, a good idea is nothing without an action. Yeah, you gotta yeah. do it. Just do it, baby. Just win, oh. baby. That's right. That's you know, right. I think what all this boils down to really is do what works for you. 
yeah. right? I mean, it may be a compilation of what everybody is doing, uh, but we just in the last few minutes, we saw examples of probably three or four different examples of way people come about pretty much the same number, right? Uh, either a percentage or a, a margin or this or that uh, spreadsheet or a, a stock sheet or however you do it, but they all come to the same point, which is getting the customer a price while we're on site. Uh, and so I guess really Vitor to answer your question really specific or I guess really general, do what works for you. Cause that's really in the end where it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in our area, none of our shops will give prices on site. You know, they go back yeah. and figure it out and send it back. Do you, Tim? And if you do, you stand out from the crowd. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody has the iPads and yeah. yeah, the shops. And even the big shop, they go out and measure it and bring it back. And when people call us, they go, oh, they're going to go to from, you know. Yeah, I mean, have any any of you guys ever gone out to to meet someone on a sales call and had them say, "Yeah, your competitor was out here two weeks ago. They sent a guy out. He took measurements, and he never called me back again." Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. That's crazy, isn't it? How yeah, can somebody it do that? It, it takes it takes two to three weeks for people to get out to measure where I'm at right now. So if mm -hmm. I'm out there tomorrow and I give an estimate by the that night tomorrow night i'll have the job mm -hmm. it, it's that easy but that's because there's not enough people here to do the work there's like a mini boom going on where i live right now where's this there's, where there's not as many people to do the work so mm -hmm. if you show up first and and get the bid to them first they'll if they don't call you back i call them the next day and and make sure they got my email, uh, you know, follow up, just following up, seeing, seeing if, you know, I can answer any questions. A lot of them will call me back in two weeks and say, you got the job because the other company won't show up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if they do, they don't call back with the bid. <clears throat> and, and it's just, that's the difference, I think. So, and, and then also I'm the owner. I'm not sending an employee out. Yeah. That 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 mm. makes a big difference as well. It makes a difference. But I'm a small company. I've yeah. got me and two guys. You know, so just like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah for exactly. some people, I mean, not 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 everybody feels that way. You know, not everybody wants the owner to come out. You know, but some people do. Absolutely. I mean, that's been my experience. It's like, but it's just like if you're just a one man show sort of a thing, you don't have to cater to everybody. You can cater to a very very small group of people. Yeah, so, and it yeah. could be those people that like want, you know, an owner, owner operator to come and do the work, you know. And um, you build a reputation of doing what you say you're going to do when you do it. And that means a lot, you know, up here. So, so that you build a reputation of, of getting there, doing what you say you're going to do. And then once you do that, the word spreads, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you reduce your advertising cost. So, mm -hmm. But that's where you at, Greg. Where, where are you from, Greg? Um, I, I live in Kalispell outside of Kalispell, Montana. Oh, okay. Montana, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Is it? I'm going there next week. 
Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I got a job in in the Yellowstone Club in Big Sky. Nice, nice. Yeah, nice, really nice. <laughs> that's awesome. So through I social go down- media, through social media. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm north, way north of there. I'm up near the Canadian border, near Whitefish Mountain Resort. Um, wow. But I have done work in in Big Sky, so um, I've mm. I've gone down there and done work, and people have paid me to go travel six hours and to do the wow. entire 7,000 square foot home. And wow. they've, they've asked me to come back and do the next one. So That's cool. it's because I think so many people are moving here with money mm-hmm. and there's just not enough people that know quality and do quality work that they're willing to pay you anything to come, come and do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we're in a good area. Yeah, it's a really beautiful place. Oh, I know nice. that. And it's one of the most yeah. beautiful places in the country. Cold it AF, is. though. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. You got to like It's it. cold. Yeah, yeah. You had, there's a lot of snow on the ground, like oh. seven inches today so far, just today. <laughs> so, yeah, bundle up. And, and next week, it's going to be 10 degrees. Oh, oh, the low is going to be 10. Price is going the high's gonna, no way. The high's going to be 20 degrees. <laughs> I say well, the get... weather goes down, the price goes up. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. It gets slippery up here. So mm-hmm. it's. Uh, what kind... Yeah. What kind of truck do you use there? Uh, I use all EcoBoost 150 Fords. Yeah. Four by four. Oh, yeah. 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 All wheel yeah. drive. Yeah. Four wheel drive. Yeah. yeah okay yeah awesome yeah well this is a good segue for a question how do people charge for jobs that are maybe out of town like if you're going to travel more than an hour and a half or two hours uh do do you guys do a line item extra on top of your quotes uh for the mileage or how do you guys handle that we call it window time travel time and um lately there's such a demand i just my rate is 90 dollars an hour per man and they pay it so if, if you it's have a, a two-man crew that would be 180 bucks that's right yeah if it's a, if it's an hour and a half each way that's three hours to my price so right, or another way to look at it too is if you're spending a night like you're killing a day I not only price that job in what these gentlemen are talking about, but I also price for missed opportunities. Yeah. The first time I went to Montana, I was gone for three days and it was good. Made good money. I missed out on, you know, a half a dozen opportunities in my own backyard. So those are kind of like the, and plus all the phone calls that you got to make when you get back, like there's a lot of headaches that happen while you're gone. You got to take when you get back too. So, you know, I put value on that as well. You know, mm-hmm, I don't definitely. like it, but it makes it easier knowing there's that's, at least that's, a comma in front of the numbers. But you have to somehow calculate that out or kind of yes. get kind of an idea. And that's what I'm trying to come up with myself. Yeah. So we got a we got an hourly rate that our company makes. So our company, every every man out there costs a certain dollar amount, whether it's four hundred or five hundred dollars an hour, whatever, however big your company is. And we'll take whatever you know potential loss to go do a job out of state. Um, how, how much more could we be doing? How many installs could we do in state by the time we finish this job out? So it's got to make it's got to make sense for us. And that's good business. It, it, that's if it's out of state, if we get it, we get it. If not, it is what it is. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, we did a house up in um, uh, Los Altos Hills for a contractor we did work for. It took an hour and 45 minutes to get there. And uh, he paid the travel time and everything for us to go there. You know. That, that goes along with like go backs when employees think that, oh, it's just a go back to adjust a door. Um, it doesn't take that long. But when we let them know, like, look, it takes two guys an hour to drive there, adjust a door and get it done. Like, look at the potential job. You just lost out on a door and panel you could have did in that same same time frame of going back and adjusting the door and driving there. So there's that potential mm -hmm. loss, too. So mm -hmm. um, this house, the contractor had Jero Glass come up and do it's an 80 foot, 85 foot diameter house. And he had Jerome Glass come up out of LA and put the glass in, and that was something else. Well, Brandon, that was a really good point. Um, how do you handle out of state warranty work, like an adjustment or something? Mm. You cry whenever you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, you try to, depending on what it is, you try to make a friend over there. At uh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take care of you and just pay them to take care of it. Um, and hopefully there's someone that you know in this group that can maybe take care of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. um, or hopefully you have other work out there that you can make a, another trip to, to make it worthwhile. I don't know. So sell them something else while you're there adjusting your door. We, 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 try to, we try to we try not to do out of state work unless it makes sense. But that's another reason we pad the job so much. Like even our even when we mark up the glass uh, for out of state work, it gets marked up way more than it would if it was local. So. We yeah. try, to, try to take that into consideration. Absolutely. Sometimes if you price the job really high and they want to negotiate, the first thing I say is, you know, if I didn't have to worry about coming out to do a door adjustment ever, no warranty, I might think about lowering the price a little bit. And that takes that right off the table. Ah. I'll talk you through it. If there's oh. something with FaceTime now, I can do it over the phone. If you know how to turn a screwdriver, we can do this together. And now I don't have, I got that no more anxiety about having to worry. Brilliant. Wow. That's pretty smart, man. Yeah. Pay yeah. a light warranty. Or you go do, or if it's somewhere nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like in, in California, if you work on public jobs, you have to pay the prevailing wage. And we'd been on, you know, work. We wouldn't pay until the guy stepped foot on the property, you know. You know, he got paid, you know, it took an hour to get there. He got regular pay. And once he stepped foot on the property, then he would get paid his prevented wage. Doesn't sound like one of my customers. <laughs> I wasn't here last week, but I'd like to point out to everybody if they didn't know that Chris and Tim, Tim is extremely tall, a lot taller than I thought. And Chris... Chris was surprising to me. He was a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, I never laughed so hard hilarious. in my life. That is hilarious. You know, me and my my brother, me and my brother used to work together as a crew. And it's like, we had, we had, you know, we, I don't know, we had kind of a bad attitude because it's like, we knew we were good, you know, we were working on high rises and stuff. And if, um if, if a company wouldn't let us work together, we would just quit. We would drag up and go to work for some other shop that would let us work together. But it's funny, we would roll up on a job and, and people would see us, they go, oh man, you Phillips brothers? Oh man, we thought you'd be taller. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said that to us all the time. Um, Hilarious. Yeah, that's what Christina said to me in Las Vegas. You're a lot taller than I thought you were. 
That's what I said when I met Brandon was, uh, I said, wow, you're a lot taller than I, I thought you were. I mean, looking at you on camera. Yeah, yeah he was tall. Yeah, Chance was a tall guy too, man. He's a lot was even taller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got a nice hair too. Yeah. That man <laughs> yeah. that's, right. that's why I'm in the front of every picture. It's, yeah. like, <laughs> you wouldn't see me if I wasn't. Let me tell you, you moved up a notch in my book getting in the front of that thing with Steve. You two guys are animals. Animals. That was awesome. Man, that was those were some good times right there, man. On the top of the strat, you mean? Yep. Yeah, in that thing. I mean, oh my God. Oh my Dumped God. us over the side, huh? Great. That was the scariest part Great. of my life, for sure. 100%. Did anybody jump? No. no, 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 no. I had everything to do to walk. My knees were knocking. I was shitting my pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bit of a topic. Um, so first off, uh, shout out to Adrian. Um, he was talking to Mike over at Top Golf, my husband, and mentioned that to keep hinges from shifting, he, you know, slammed them all the way up to the top of the glass. Well, makes sense, but we don't like the idea of not having any adjustment. So we went home and um, started working on putting eighth inch shims on the top of each of the hinges. But then also the key was putting a 16th shim on the front of the bottom hinge. And when we set that up in our little training cube, um, we set that up and then we tightened the screws with our fingers. Um, so the, the hinge was not even clamping the glass mm -hmm. at all and let it sit there for a good week in a closed position, you know, nothing underneath it, in an open position, stayed. It um, seems to be working out. We've got one of our guys um, doing that in installation and kind of testing out um, how to make sure that, the, like the, um, um, oh, I'm trying to, the, the gaskets, you know, mm -hmm. keeping the gaskets straight while there's shims in there and stuff and just kind of testing things out before we roll it out. But I know we've had this conversation before about, you know, about slippage, of course, the bane of all our, our existence. So I wanted to find out who else was kind of pre, um, pre-setting, pre-blocking. Yeah. yeah. We, we block all of our hinges. So every time where we do, we block it. So we'll we'll put them all the way to the top, or we'll put an eighth inch shim in there to give us a little room if we need to pull that eighth eighth inch shim down to move the door a little bit. But we block it where the Mickey Mouse ear is. So because it can't, if you stick setting blocks in there straight and then cut them off with the razor blade, it can't. And then you if you overdo it and then pull it back tight to get it where you want the door to set and tighten it down, it won't it won't ever move unless the walls start to move. Mm -hmm. So now are you doing that in the shop before? We do, it, we do it in the field, right? Right. The field. So it's just all you got to do is you literally, once you have your door up, you can clamp your door. You can take the top screw out of the plate, loosen the bottom one, and the plate will slip down and spin. And then you can stick them in there, wedge it where you want it, and then cut it and then put it right back and you're done. It just takes like two minutes. I remember you showing me that and you guys use like the pinnacle 
hinges, right? Mm -hmm. Just for that, for that purpose. Pin Pinnacle or Geneva is a square or beveled. You can do it in those as long as they got the Mickey Mouse ears. So, right. yeah, and you can, and I've tried that. With, I've tried exactly what you're talking about. You showed me that. You can take the top screw out and back back out the bottom screw and it'll just pivot and you can like block them just like that. Like you're saying, you, you block them between the glass and the little mouse ear. Yep. And, um, and you, and you can just finger tighten the screw and let it down and it will stay mm -hmm. even without, even without clamping it down tight. We don't ever have, we don't ever have uh, go backs for doors slipping unless it's, um, unless it's an installer not doing his part, but well, what if you have to use like a heavier hinge, like a uh, like a Vienna or something? They still have they still have the Mickey Mouse cutout, so you can still yeah. do it with those. And That's then true. The top, and top and bottom pivots like never slip. So we we do it in house in the shop before the glass goes out, and then we also put a yeah. dab of uh, super glue on the yeah. super super. Wow! All right. There you go. Where are you putting the super glue? On the gasket, especially if you're doing. Okay. Uh, Just keep the gaskets from slipping around. Yeah, on old one, or you're doing yeah. a, one mm -hmm. of the. I do that too. Super glue, that the the perfect application for super glue is something that really doesn't, and it that, keeps it in place. Yeah, it's something that doesn't really need to be glued permanently. It just needs to be glued temporarily. That's the perfect use for super so you glue. Use a pattern, you've got a PPH yeah. over one at the top and the channel. Yeah. And you're trying to hold the gasket up there and putting the glass in, it falls yep. out. So yeah, I did that too. Yep. So Tim, do you have a fancy rack for transporting that glass with the hinges already installed? We wrap them. You know, we open up the Sierra Lawrence box and they come with a white uh, wrapping around it. We just put that around the, the hinge and if you use a, um, a windshield rack in the back of a van, it's real easy. You just put the hinges up, slip it right in there. Well, I don't have mm -hmm. windshield rack. <laughs> oh, oh, we yeah. just take that, that white racking they put around the hands, put a put blue, tape, blue tape across one side, get it, and then close it into the hinge and work it's fine. Huh? Ah. Brandon, can you explain one more time, just for, for, for me, if you could, how the hinges, how you put the um, setting blocks in the mouse ears? Yeah, I'll try to find, I have a diagram too that shows exactly how it's done. I'll try to find it too one of these days. But so essentially you have the, you know, you have your rectangle cut out and then you have the little Mickey Mouse ear cut out. And then when you go in where the, where the screws go into the little Mickey Mouse area. So mm -hmm. the glass right there, you stick it on the top where it kind of, it's it's cut straight and then it kind of curves up right there. So right in that spot where the glass would fall towards mm -hmm. your side, you just stick your setting blocks in there straight in there and then you just chop them off. So you only have like a you know quarter inch of the setting box stuck in there. So whatever your gap needs to be, you find this, uh, stack your setting box, whatever they are, eighth or, 16th or whatever, stick it in there and cut it off. And we over overcompensate to where it leaves a little bit of a bigger gap. And then we pull it towards the strike side and then tighten it down that way. So it, it it's already tight in there. Just cut nice. our setting blocks in half and stick them in here. 
And I, so I believe there's a the diagram vertical? on C.R. Lawrence. I think C.R. Lawrence has a diagram showing suggested hinge blocking. <laughs> they might now, yeah. Yeah, I think so. They probably but stole it. Our around. guys do do that, um, or they know how to do that. They know how to do it, but they're more likely to listen some, to somebody who looks cool like Brandon than to listen to me. <laughs> wow, that's how you deploy empathy right there. Wow, nice job. It's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah, yeah. he is cool. He is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Got it all on video. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> that's cool. Absolutely. Brando, what type of anchors, wall anchors, are you guys using? Ooh, good I question. Got, three three six, got, I, 16 gray plugs for everything. I got the quarter, yeah, I got the quarter and inch greens. And Speed also I greens. got uh, I also got the, the one that you referred to us, Keith, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Cobras? Let me grab them. Just give me a sec. I'll find cobra, that. cobra, cobra. Yeah, it was the cobra. Yeah, cobra, cobra. Yeah, I got, yeah, some I got, of those, I got too. those. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I use that for uh, for a sliding seven, seven, eight, seventy-five inches sliding door. So I use those cobras. Do you all use uh, three sixteenths bits always, and three sixteenths plugs? I do. We yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do. Unless it's a uh, glass tile, we use quarter inch raw plugs. Yep. Uh huh. Okay. And then you push the glass, glass. Push them past the glass. Make yes. sure they're backing back there. Otherwise, it's eventually going to break it. But yeah, you know, I I take uh, tube wax and use a starter screw and, mm. and thread it into each plug. Just a just a few threads. So that it plants that plug or that screw where I want it to go, and then and then it gives it a little bit of lubrication. So you're not your number three if it's a little worn three tip isn't stripping that screw and you're getting a good bite. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else use like tube wax? Anybody else use? Tube I, wax? I have done it before. It's it's like it's not a bad idea. It's just no. kind of an extra step. It's a little bit messy. Yeah, yeah, you got a little clean. But it's a good idea. Yeah. It'll stop you from breaking screws off. Yeah. It takes an yeah. extra minute, but it's not a bad policy, I think. I yeah. shoot a little silicone in hey, the anchor I before I send my screw. Silicone's a good idea that also will yeah. lubricate it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Christina, here's a demonstration of the hinge. See this? Yeah. Oh, so so Tim, you're 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 pre you're pre blocking the hinge, right but you're not setting it on the door until you get to the site. Well, I do it in shop. So oh, we set the you set the hinge on the door in the shop and transport it. Yeah. Wait, Brando, keep it that's what, not what one you're second. talking about, though, is it? You got to set it up a little bit higher, right? Oh. So it seats in there. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Like if you look at this picture right here, my good yeah. my good drawing. Where's my camera? Yeah, there you go. So you see Love the little, it. So block you block it right there. You just stick it in right there, and then it can't it can't go anywhere. Oh, you're putting on the, You're putting on. The Love that. Thank you. 
And then you can yeah. also put like how Tim has, you can put an eighth inch setting block across right here yeah. and push it all the way to the top. So it's sitting all the way down and then you, you can block it right there. I love that. Yeah. And Chris. I, in conjunction with what Shannon was saying too, of like putting Correct. a setting block on the outside of the bottom hinge. Like Chris, why aren't you 3D printing 16th, 8th and 316th preset ones to sit on top of there with a little scooper on it? You're telling my secrets, man. No, just send me the royalties. I want 10 cents for <laughs> yeah, every royalty. You want royalties now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, well, actually. Hey, dog shims. Yep. Hey, dog yeah. shims. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich. <laughs> we actually 3D print a lot of parts, like stuff like that. That that would, if we use those, we would do that. Absolutely, save on that time. Just one extra step, you're picking up seconds. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm 3D printing my own wall plugs. Um, I've got a really? better. I've got a better anchor. Um, it's not quite ready for for retail yet, but I've got a pretty badass anchor actually. Well, you got a bunch of people that could field test it for you. That's for yep. sure. Yeah. 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 I've got to get the, the, the material just right. You know, I mean, it's, you know, getting it to where it's like soft enough, but stiff enough, but like, you know, won't split, but we'll, you know, it, the, getting it that mix just right is the big thing. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I still don't know what the Cobra is. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, um, anybody got one handy? It's a what? Yeah, is. is that? Yeah, no, there it is. Look at that. Hold on. No, that's not. No. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, right there. Yeah, that's the one. It's just heavy. I. I mean, it doesn't look like anything revolutionary, it's but it's just meteor. Like we we put all of our wall hinges on this board with all the different types of anchors. We had a guy in the shop. He was like two hundred fifty pounds. Stand on every one of these, and that one right there. Couldn't get it out of the wall. Literally couldn't get it out of the wall. You get them at Depot, I think. They're a little bit more expensive, but totally worth it. Well, I never have any problems with the regular brokers I get from Sierra Moore. Knock <laughs> on wood. You guys fine, there? Are people having problems with anchors? With, like, the gray anchors? I haven't had any problems yet. Okay. Yeah. I never have problems. It depends on what we're anchoring, though. If we're anchoring something that's more critical than a door, we'll use something a little different. If it, if it's like some of the big sliders, only one you got one screw on each side, and that's it. So we might do a bigger plug over there. But we might consider that for Ronan's PSA before I forget, Brad. Yeah. Retrofit, no studying. A lot of people buy the shoulderless gray three sixteenths gray plugs too, or they cut the they cut the heads off. But we leave the heads on because it still helps grip in there, so it doesn't go too far because you can push it in too far and it's not getting a good bite. But if you just hit them with a mallet, you can flatten them out pretty good, so they don't they don't uh, unless it's an offset hinge. Offset hinge seems to always um, rock that middle screw right there if you leave the shoulders on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got both. Sometimes if if uh, you need to. Adjust the door. You can leave the heads on one side, shave the heads on the other, and that gives you a little adjustment on your plate. So if the door is always holding open, you can adjust it to be more centered or something, you know. So, so if you're using like a three, 
three sixteenths hole. You're drilling tile with like a three sixteenths drill, and then putting a gray plug in there, and then putting a number ten screw in there. You're not cracking tiles like that. No. Even though the the plug is all the way through the the tile. So we'll oblong depending on what tile it is. Like you can, it's easy to crack ceramic tile just because. Yeah flaky and and weak but if you oblong the hole as you're drilling it like if you drill 316 angle it a little bit and like kind of oblong it a little Just bit warble it out a little bit give it a little bit more room and then obviously you don't over tighten ceramic tile you don't have it you don't have an issue but they just they grab better um you can just feel them grab a lot better with the 316 uh plug with the number 10 absolutely i totally agree because that's what i do i'll just I'll just knock the plug all the way through past the tile. I mean, if it's like porcelain, you don't, you know, you really don't have to worry about cracking it. I mean, I mean, if it takes you, you know, five minutes to drill through a tile, you're not going to have to worry about cracking it. I screw. But, <laughs> but if, it, if it's like softer tile, I'll just, I'll tap that plug all the way through to make sure that it's not expanding inside the tile and cracking it. That's the only, other than that, I mean, I, I love, I do it exactly the same way you're talking about. So the bit, I, I, the biggest reason people crack tiles when they're, when they're drilling in, cause they say, oh, it didn't crack when I drilled it. But when I screwed it in, it cracked. They're, they're not letting the drill do the work. And when they get to the end, you got to let off and people are just blowing out the back of the tile and making yeah. a crater. So there's no meat back there anymore. And so if the thin set isn't good and there's no meat of the tile and they go to tighten it down, it cracks the tile. It leaves little mm -hmm. micro fissures, just like how it is when we cut glass or drill holes in glass, same with tile. So it's easy to cause it to crack. So you're saying the key to that is what? At the end of the let of off. hole, yeah, just kind of back off the pressure a little bit? Just back off. Because all, all the tile we drill, we use hammer drills on everything that we drill, like porcelain, whatever. I mean, we're drilling holes in, you know, 10 seconds a hole with with uh, Relton V-Groove bits. Um with just a cordless hammer drill goes right through it like butter. Um, Same here. But you can feel it when you get to the end of that hole and it's a different sound, just like it is with mirror. Yeah. You know when you're coming yeah. to the end, so you just got to let off so you're not pushing too hard. 100% so, true. Good tip, man. Yep. You're killing me, Keith. Sorry. This is a birthday gift from Billy Bridge. Hey, just showing that love, baby. Just showing that love. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. By the way, Brandon, the southern term is wallard. Waller the hole out. Oh yeah, waller. Wallard. I'm using that yeah. tomorrow. How do you there spell you that? Did you waller it though? I, well, I want to know. Tell you what though, the, the hardest part of that. Nails. Oh no, he forgot the waller now. The hardest part about having multiple locations in different parts of the country is when you're talking to people and you're not you're not saying stuff right in there. Guy's not a local, huh? No. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't from around here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. I love it. Well, that's all we have time for tonight, folks. <laughs> Good night. All right. Thanks for coming on over. We'll see you again uh, next Wednesday. Hey, this is Chris Phillips, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. You may want to join the Shower Door Professionals group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for Shower Door Pros, and you'll find us.
I look forward to seeing you.